Last one. Oh, okay. Our firm is out of Jackson. Breakouts are the most important part of what we do. Chelsea, Chelsea Center, Sophia. So every conference we've had, we've had this kind of a panel discussion. Hit these themes of optimizing because I was in the family office for 10 years, and we were dysfunctional in investing and even more so in planning. We're magical sometimes. More, more magic, less dysfunctional. So you got the mic. Great. Kick it off. Okay, fantastic. Is it on? Nope. Got it. Okay, great. Fantastic. We got half an hour, right? Uh, first of all, Chelsea, uh, Sophia, and, uh, and, uh, and Jake, etc. We had a blast in Austin a few days ago. And I had such a blast. By the way, the previous panel was a blast. That was so much fun. It's so important, right? And reminds me of the, uh, I gave a keynote on global geopolitical turbulence and implications in Dallas 10 days ago. And I cover a lot of stuff, okay? There's a lot of stuff going on in the world. Now, back to, in Austin uh, this past weekend, Chelsea and Sophia, uh, David and also uh, Chris, they, they held this kick butt event called Work World Logic Day, along with Intergen Family, family office ecosystem uh, experience. And it was so interactive, it was so much fun, mostly millennials and Gen Z, a few uh, elder gray hairs like myself, but mostly millennials, and I had so much fun, including the after parties, the private reception here. Now here, we're just gonna have a conversation, reflecting a little bit about what's important uh, from Chelsea, who is a millennial. I know, uh, Chris, you're probably in the quest of being a junior Gen Xer, just for fun, conversation sake, right? Or senior millennial. And uh, Sophia, the work they do is super awesome. I love it. And some of you guys know that I'm like the chief mentor of Next Gen Leaders. I love kids. Anyone under age 40 is like kids to me. My daughters are 26 and 23. Um, now, since the panel is about philanthropy, impact, including investing and your work, and next gens, um, I'd like to start off with Chelsea, okay? Tell us more about what's important to you when it comes to these three areas. It's freestyle, you can talk about philanthropy or impact. What's your definition? Next gens, how would you like to take your community forward? Uh, One of the things that we have really seen over time is the next generation signals to us what is coming in the world because they're the closest to the new things that are happening. So I love some of the conversations around climate. That wasn't happening, right, until we started hearing from the next generation and the concerns about the world. And I think with a lot of our work, we're really listening to them about concerns around AI. What does it mean if Google goes away? What does it mean if we're no longer using search? What does it mean if we have LLMs that are taking people out of the equation? How are we going to move forward? But also what an exciting time and time for innovation. So 
When I, I mentioned earlier, I see logic as this new wave of social impact. I think we all need to be thinking about how are we better listening to the next generation on what is the future and how do we get behind them and support them in their process as they're trying to learn. And then how can we create more communities like 361 is doing, like Intergen Family is doing. You know, I'm a part of a lot of quote-unquote next-gen communities, right? I think that's a bit of a problem. We need to be working intergenerationally. Next-gens have great wisdom to share. Older generations have great wisdom to share. Particularly within the family office ecosystem, we see that I think it's within three generations, your family will break down 80% of the time, both your finances as well as your relationships. If we start working together, what could the world look like differently and how can family offices play a part in this, this next wave for the future? Sophia, so your perspective. Um, you know, tell us about intergen.family. What's your mission? I mean, it's very interconnected to the, to the topic here. That, um, yeah, I really absolutely love the panel. Like we're, that we're asking these questions is so important. So, Irja, we're a learning action network, and um, we're actually fundamentally asking um, questions about our very infrastructure, right? We're talking about, well, this is what Indy Johar brought from Dark Matter Labs when we were together in Austin. This is not a create a new light bulb moment. This is an electrification of New York City moment. It's a moment of actually creating the foundational infrastructure that will actually give us what we need beyond what we've been currently doing. So it's not about innovation, it's about future. So futures and future, we are bringing these conversations into the family office space and inviting family office to be we see them as uniquely qualified to actually build that future. They're uniquely qualified to see the uninsurability of assets and hearing from, you know, anecdotal stories, some white people saying, I expect to lose 90% of my wealth, perhaps in my own lifetime, right? As you see the uninsurability trends, the instability, when you're looking across your portfolios, doing nothing is riskier than actually doing something new. So here we have this combination of futures of the rising generations that have been asking these questions. For the more spiritually minded, we've got this community of asking, what does it mean to go from family karma to planetary dharma? Right, how my family created a wealth and perhaps create a damage around it, right? How does it come, come now? My ability to respond, my responsibility to actually generate new legacy, a new wave of wealth, now addressing what they feel and they feel called to address, but that's uniquely called, like related to one's purpose. So we've got this meta vision of infrastructure, but it's really deeply connected to this personal journey of finding out what, why we do things, because if our why is not strong enough, we'll stop along the way, right? Because the incentives will be working against us many times, and return on investment will have to look very different than only financial capital. Right, what, one of the, uh, what I enjoyed about the Intergen experience during World, World Logic Day is the extremely interactive uh, format. 
for a couple of sessions here, we were able to extract and hear from every single one of the next gens in the room. That was beautiful. And it's kind of like data collection too, right? It's kind of like pattern recognition, uh, kind of like machine learning. You need to have structured data, lots and lots of that. Now, in, in my work as, uh, I'm, you know, my, besides my tech company, my family business, I'm known as a chief mentor next gen leaders. I see it from the inside all the time. Ultra net worth families, right? Centimillionaire families and all, and all that. You know, high school kids, college kids, and elder next gens. I see struggles. I see uh, excitement. I see, you know, there's going to be about 70, 80 trillion dollars of wealth is going to get transferred from mostly boomers like myself to the next gens, right? Gen Xers, millennials, and Gen Z. Most of the Gen Zs are not even close to being prepared in skills, in psychology, right? What parents want, you know, we are matriarchs and patriarchs in this room, a lot of us are. We want peace of mind. We want relationships. We want joy, okay? In addition to wealth, health, happiness, right? We are captains of industry in what we do already. But at the end of the day, if you are going to be you, you, you're in bed in a hospital, right? You know you're going to go away soon, six foot under. Do you want your cousins and, and sisters and siblings to who, surrounding you who only want your money? Or do you really want people who really love you? Think about that. That's deep, right? So in a way, I think we're here to build our character, to enhance our character, even though we're billionaires or, or teenagers. So... But, but to that point, there is a cauldron of disconnect generations. Absolutely. And, and you know, the, and I see it all the time, right? The disconnects are, the leading gens are kind of the, the, uh, the leading gens. I'm the captain of the industry. And then the next gens, of course, more and more next gens, especially the Gen Zs, right? And a lot of millennials, they don't want to work for the family business. They don't want to work for Google. They don't work for Salesforce. They don't want to work for someone else. Because they're not a co-captain. Yeah, they're not co-captains, right? You need to feel yourself here as a co-captain, bring it all in, and that's what we are. You're all co-leaders of 361. Exactly. I want you to all think of this. Exactly, because the next gens, they want to co-create. They want to co-create, right? And once again, it's a relationship. And I, and I teach guy, coach, mentor people, including uh, these powerful CEO, private clients of mine, that you got to be vulnerable. You have to allow your kids to probably sometimes reverse mentor you. Because without showing that vulnerability as a CEO, seriously, in a, I mean, I got so many friends in high places, right? Corporate 500 CEO, if, if you don't have the human touch, your care, the employees feel that you care about them, they're not going to perform in a delightful manner for customers and partners, right? Now, going back to Sophia and, and, and Chelsea, impact, right? When it comes to impact here, and one thing that I find all the time is that young people today are very good-hearted, they're well-intentioned, but here's the problem. A lot of them are very naive. They jump onto bandwagons too soon without really understanding how the world really works, right? And so impact to me is the work you do, the work you do, the work that we all do. To what extent is it really loving, serving others, right? Individually, families, organizations, and make the world really better, not just some political bullshit, right? How do you define impact and, and reflect on your work when it comes to impact? Excuse my French. Well, I think depending on what room you're in, impact can actually be a very divisive, politically charged word. 
particularly because it's kind of really highlighted, to Mark's point, some of the disconnects, right? And, and I want to be careful about not naming certain generations better than others. I think different generations are solving different problems in the world at different times. So one, I think some of the next gens that I've had the pleasure of working with, we talk about that, the fact that you know, impact doesn't have to necessarily mean sacrificing returns, and I think we've done a really big disservice in framing it that way. Philanthropy doesn't have to just mean, you know, generosity with, with no outputs or outcomes or measurements or tactics around those things. So I think it's really important to consider that. I think to answer your question around, you know, what does impact mean with, with me and my team and my work is, how do we provide more access globally? How do each of us create and bring alongside, not just the need to lead, but who is that next generation and what doors are you opening for others? So forget about just, you know, you're, you're even within your own family, but within the world, like who are you bringing into the boardroom? What young leader are you taking with you on this conference? Quite frankly, I took everyone on accident. But, um, and, and who's willing to say yes to those learning opportunities? So I just would invite every single one of you to understand you all have value, you all have the opportunity to create impact, and who are you going to give that to because it matters. Chelsea, I think this is a key component to my understanding of impact regarding the return, right? Um, and to me, again, on the electrification moment, like the metrics, like what we're measuring, why, and how, I think those are kind of foundational conversations because impact can be measured in more than just the financial capital sense, right? Um, in tr level of trust, in connectivity between people, in the environment, in flourishing, etc. So to me, I feel like my relationship with impact right now from this rising gen conversation is that questioning of, is, is it only financial return, <laughs> right? <laughs> is that the only metric? Is that the only thing that we actually receive back? Mm -hmm. And I, the, again, the conversation we had last week is like, is, is it not that our economic system has now been built around the notion of externalities? Mm -hmm. And now, isn't that the case that the externalities are now <laughs> staring us at the face and saying we're not external to your activities? Everything you do on the planet impacts, mm -hmm. right? Negative or positive externalities. We can have positive externalities. And imagine designing investments that have positive externalities. So I know this foundational moment, even as the Bretton Woods Right, post-war award agreements break down, and the world trade, right, the, the, the uh, trade agreements were created so that we wouldn't have a war against each other, and now clearly, as the institutions are as well breaking down, which clearly the signing these agreements are also outdated. So how can we think things differently? And I feel that impact in a way is this rising generation call to action and ask, actually asking the question, what is return? across generations and for a, a planet that I would like to live into, right, as a next generation, right, in generation. Right. Right. And, and I think that we could actually integrate uh, real impact uh, consequences with uh, sound economics. We could totally do that at the same time, right? So, I mean, the most uh, impactful organization is actually for-profit, not necessarily non-profit. Let's shift gears to philanthropy. One of my, uh, my favorite topics here. Uh, personally, in addition to my two companies, my tech company and my family business, 
I'm, I'm into philanthropy in various ways, right? We all have our own ways for philanthropy. And that's kind of giving without expecting much in return, you know, impact me, especially to the disadvantaged, right? Like for one of the things that I'm very engaged in is uh, I'm actually part of a G20, uh, the B20 as a B20 member, one of the few Americans who get appointed to the B20. And what the B20 does is that we represent entire the, the global business community, the private sector. Technically, we represent all the companies, firms here, and and uh, and include that where the G20's formal uh, arm or form that represents the global business community. And our product is that we create policy recommendations in different functional areas important to the presidents and prime ministers and the governments. They literally read up stuff. So when I say something, they take notes, literally speaking here. I've been future, you know, sitting on the future of work, employment, skills, and education task force for the past 10 years since the G20 Australia. Brazil, Latin America is going to get some limelight this year because Brazil is hosting the G20. Okay? And, and uh, it's, it's philanthropic in a way because what we do, I feel, is that we are literally benefiting billions of people indirectly and countless businesses, right? The world could use some help, especially economically uh, as, and socially as well. And another thing that I enjoy is being uh, a, a council member, a lead council member at St. Jude. I'm sure that's a lot of you donate to St. Jude as well. Keep it up, it's a beautiful thing. Their OPEX per year is over $2 billion. Most of that is actually from generous private donors. If God's not behind that, I don't know what it is, right? So, so I, I help the leadership team in, in various ways, et cetera, uh, plus other activities that I'm engaged in. And one of my favorite formats is that some of you have got your nonprofit, you know, 501c3, blah, 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 for some tax that benefits international giving. Yeah, that's fantastic. But some of you are lazier like me, at least for now. I might do one. You know, have a donor advice fund. It's a fantastic way for outsourcing your giving to like Silicon Valley Community Foundation. I'm a partner there and then just dictate the charities or nonprofits you like to give to, right, based on your uh, decision. It's a beautiful thing. And then they get a cut of the action. They deserve all that. There are different ways for philanthropy. And I'd like to hear from, you know, Sophia and from Chelsea, uh, you know, how are you engaged in philosophy, uh, at philanthropy, uh, including uh, philosophy within philanthropy, how's that? And, and how are you inspiring, motivating uh, your communities to do so? So I love this question mainly because it gives me the opportunity to highlight someone in the room, um, and that is Paris Tingley. Of over a little decade ago, uh, we are a team of five women under the age of 30. Uh, I think our executive director had just turned 30, and we raised $10 million in 24 hours for 750 nonprofits because we leveraged technology and developed a giving platform, and then. Our 22-year-old selves walked into Google and before corporate social responsibility was a thing, said you should believe in us and generosity matters and this will help your employees. I think they told us no five times. Eventually they came on board. Um, to date, that's raised over $150 million for the city of Austin. It then scaled to Giving Tuesday in the Southwest and I don't even know how much it's done. But my point is that was my entrance into what philanthropy could mean and more importantly why philanthropy could be really impactful in the city and in the world. Um, a few things I'll touch on, you know, I, I started our family foundation as a part of our family office 
as opposed to doing a DAF or, or just giving to nonprofits. Because again, I wanted to look at how to open up other doors. So what I would encourage you all with your own family foundations is to look at, can you have an advisory board? Can you have a next-gen council? Can you add additional people that they get the learning opportunity? Do some of the things that like Mark's doing with allocator sessions, right? Can you be philanthropic in community and collaborate and learn together? Because philanthropy is not just about what you're passionate about and what you love. It's also about what the world needs right now. The last thing I'll kind of share, which is something that I think Wolf has been to several 361 events. He's, I think, the GP of Ohio Impact Fund. This yeah, came out of Wolf. Wolf's on the Wolf Star. Yeah, Wolf Star. He feels. I feel. I feel like he. Is. Um, it, it came out of you know World Logic Day this year. One of the things that we're excited to launch. Um, as a part of and in collaboration hopefully with Intergen as well and with Logic Tree is a way in which DAFs can be used as educational tools for your next generation and even into social enterprise. So I would encourage everyone to explore. There are ways to learn about philanthropy as well as investment into social enterprise and we need to be exploring different structures because our current structures have been so siloed with philanthropy. I'm gonna be bold and say some statements that are charged, sorry. Philanthropy in women and girls over here and investment and men of the family office over here and that's no longer the world we're living in. So how do we all work together and and what are the new structures and new waves and new intergenerational collaborations that can fuel what we want to see in terms of philanthropy? Even on that, you and Olivia also have some principles that go to that. Maybe you could elaborate, including getting mentors outside of the family. Yeah, so um, Olivia Dell, who joined us as a co chair uh, in World Logic Day, just I guess it was a couple of days ago. Um, we really did some deep diving into our own families, uh, own next-gen practices, uh, what was working, what wasn't working, and what's really critical is a few things. So the, the, the few things that we found are non-family member mentors, so people like Jason. Um, the next-gens that had other people in the family office or impact or impact investment and philanthropy ecosystem that were not a part of their family where they could kind of get over the term that we call imposter syndrome. That made a dramatic difference when then they came to the table to their family to co-lead or be a part of something because they felt more prepared. The second really key indicator is a grandparent and or an elder ally, which I know Intergen does a lot of great work in facilitating kind of who are the elders of the community? Who are the elders? Where's the wisdom, if I'm speaking on Logic Tree, right? How are we capturing that wisdom um, and sharing it? And then the, the last best practice uh, is community, in-person community. Are they you know, in events with people, are they learning? Are they, you know, on nonprofit boards? Are they giving philanthropically or investing philanthropically in community? Okay, philanthropy. Um, going back to the essential of love of humanity, mm -hmm. um, um I'd say that this work that we're doing right now is, is fully, it's been philanthropic. It's been out of our love for this future um, that I would love to be able to have children living to and move forward. Um, one interesting metric I'm talking about women and, and girls. Um, there's been maybe twice now in our events where women have come 
to me and say, now I, I have a sense of the future. I, I can actually have children. That there's been this um, yeah. the diminishment of our birth rates, right? Also by decision of the, the bleakness of the scenario, right? And I, if I know one sure way of humanity ceasing to exist is women deciding not to have children anymore. No human beings will come into the planet anymore. There's actually a, an indige indigenous nation in Argentina who chose to do that. They chose to stop having children, and they disappeared yeah. uh, by choice. Wow. wow. So this is just the simple things, right, that we don't think about often. Yeah. Um, and again, in the direction of philanthropy, um, I'm going to be a little bit <laughs> kind of challenging a little bit of our assumptions. There's a perception, part of our conversations has been as well to looking to how perhaps like 90% of, 95% of our investments perhaps going towards amazing investments that might be creating the very causes that philanthropy in 5% is trying to address. Right, so again, fundamentally and systemically, the externalities for creating our investments, we might be trying to tackle with our 5% of investments of, of philanthropy, right? So again, just to think about what that, and this is by Heidi Rottenberry from the Rottenberry Foundation, genius um, insights that Pearl. So, but here, the way that I see it is really like, just as family offices, I think philanthropy is also uniquely qualified to fulfill this systemic transition, this, this transition, really. I see philanthropy having that leading edge exactly because, particularly in Texas, it can still be a handshake. The, the giving that is unrestricted, the giving that is in trust of a human being that might create, that might just well create the next thing that is gonna solve for fusion, right? That sometimes we're associating too much, I feel, the, the, the a transaction, it's a transfer, and that also affects um, Legacy transfers as well. So when the, the the wealth creators are transferring their wealth to the rising generation, they create a lot of parameters. It's not a gift that's actually conceding the receiver. So money comes with a lot of strings attached, and I believe and see philanthropy as well as one of these very strategic resources that could be gifted and be given away so that futures can flourish from them without us necessarily knowing how. Right, so there's that leap of faith and trust that I feel that that is part of where it came from as well. It's a word, it's a word of humanity. Right. Yeah. Jason, just a few more minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we have had zero questions so far, which is okay. Oh, okay. okay. Why don't we jump to, uh, I guess, like presidential debate, a closing statement. How's that? One minute each per person. Okay. In terms of questions. Two questions. Like oh, question first? Got it. You, you have questions. Sure. Um, anyone else have a voice yet? Sure. Very soon, we're going to have some wine and breakouts. <laughs> so, in my mind, one of the outstanding challenges our community needs to tackle is inequality. In the world, nearly 10 million people starve to death a year. 800 million people are malnourished, right? That's now. And the problem is getting worse. The wars don't help with food supply. Fundamentally, that's a lack of money. People cannot afford to pay themselves. So we certainly went to my own philanthropy. That's where I focus. There's great organization opportunities, national to shout them out. That's where they focus. Economic opportunity. Teach people business skills. Teach the local financiers. Get them together. And there are very 
trading organization. But in your own mind, I'm very curious to hear what you feel are the big outstanding problems that really need more attention. That, well, you know, the problem you mentioned is a great problem to solve. It's an ecosystem issue, right? And one thing to be aware as philanthropists, as leaders in this room, is to discern what's real, what's not. You know, there are massive, what I call legalized or semi, not quite legalized corruption out there. For example, in San Francisco, $15 billion annual budget. A lot of it goes to causes that don't really solve problems, you know. So discern that first. Um, I think that is what, food security, okay, it's huge. Uh, water security in the United States is infrastructure uh, security, frankly speaking, you know. Um, I will leave it to Chelsea and uh, Sophia, so you can have some time to... Uh, yeah, I think that question is really important. I got excited when you asked it because I think even in being aware enough to understand the vast inequality that is in existence is really important. I'll answer it from my lens, which is I think a lot of us are aware food security is, is really important right now. Climate is really important right now. What people often find surprising or don't think as much about, we have a pro program called Logic Talks where we'll bring in some of the top thought leaders like from Intergen Family, etc., in talking about things. But one that we held at UN General Assembly with GigaFund talked about the fact that millions of kids in plenty of countries don't even have internet access. So we have things like ChatGPT being released and new innovations and we're talking about investing in AI and we should be, but then we have schools that one one class or several classrooms are sharing one iPad, even if an iPad at all, and that's going to lead to massive inequality um, in jobs, in education very, very quickly if we don't address it. Of course, obviously, like, you know, if you don't eat, you don't survive either, right? So what are, what are those things that we're looking at? Yeah, um, anything and everything related to human development and flourishing across the globe, I would agree that, that what is more potent than human capital, like the genius of these human beings and every human being, there's a future, right, that we can nurture. So along those lines, human development and flourishing, and I invite as well, I think, from ourselves, the perspective I'm coming from, which is it's also informed by indigenous perspective, we don't come in empty, right? We each have a, a, a gift to give. And in philanthropic engagement, I would invite each of you to, in a way, get in touch with that which is your love for humanity and how it can manifest itself. And I'm sure there's something out there that's being done that's amazing and great. And I think Chelsea is a tremendous resource for that and it's rising gen communities as well as they are seeking. So I think that the right, you know, because you're gonna give more than philanthropic capital, give love and attention and care and your wholeheartedly commitment in a way to make that grow. And I'm sure that that's gonna be way more effective than just writing a check and, and going elsewhere. Right, one more question. Yeah, we touched a little bit on um, Oh, sorry, Robert E.P. with Impact Science Centers. Uh, you guys touched a little bit on this, these differences of a family office having a philosophic arm and an investment arm, and those two arms are not talking or working together at all in that. The philanthropic arm may be working on cleaning up a waterway that the investment arm is actually investing in a chemical yeah. plant that's polluting the waterway, yeah. and that means they're just stronger to Yeah. And that some family offices I've seen have some success in this, but we'd like to see it more in this idea of mission aligned capital. So you're not taking concessionary returns on your investment portfolio, but the things you invest in with that for profit capital are aligned with your personal mission, whether it be clean 
more for-profit dollars behind that. So your not-for-profit dollars and your for-profit dollars are actually working towards the same thing while meeting your return objective. But how do we get more family offices to do that? Right. You know, that, it starts with the principles. It starts with the actual decision makers, right? The matriarchs and patriarchs, maybe the next gens that are leading the the uh, the, uh, the uh, situation. Kind of like MBS in Saudi Arabia. He's a next gen, but he's a leader now. Okay, it has to start from them. And um, first principles define really your know, gel and leading gen, next gens have to kind of have the heart, have the relationship, and not work in a relationship, and kind of get to first principles. And, and operate based on what are your first principles, your vows and principles, right? If it's conflicted all the time, you know, things are going to come back at you. Um, so that's one thought. By the way, going back to the previous question, I have one thought for you. In addition to world problems here, think about helping U.S. farmers, the rural people. They need help. They are a little bit left behind. We all depend on them. Be kind to them, whether they're for-profit, non-profit. Think about giving to them more. So I very much agree with Jason, especially on values. It's, it's not dissimilar from when you look at how do you establish a successful business, right? Because at the end of the day, to some extent, even family offices and philanthropy is somewhat of a, should be run like a business. So are you talking to your values? Are you thinking about your culture? Are you goal setting? If you're a nonprofit, are you strategic planning? Like all of those things that you do in your everyday life with your companies, you should be doing with your investments. Um, the last thing I'll say, and hopefully Sophia will talk about this more, I'm a big believer in personal examples. And one of the things that Sophia has done so beautifully is talked about bringing the family back into the family office space. So for me, uh, that meant my dad and I have training Tuesdays. I bring to him all of my crazy green bond and scary, you know, opportunities to invest in impact in AI. And he teaches me basic, you know, things about where my portfolio is, what asset allocation needs to look like, and, and just fundamental terms so that I'm in prepared in rooms like these. So training well, Tuesdays. I'm going to suggest this. Can we should keep going. And we will. That's the breakout. We're going to have four breakouts. One is this discussion continues. I'm going to put it here in this corner. If you're interested in climate, tech, energy transition, that, that, that's definitely a vector here. If you're interested in Stephen Burke understanding his wisdom of what the best, he's shaking his head. But, um, let's say public private market broadly uh, over in that corner. And then this whole discussion of AI, quantum, uh, it's a broadly tech end of it. We've got some really interesting people in the room that haven't even been on the panel over there. So the impact philosophy of philanthropy uh, here, quantum tech, energy transition there, the markets, bless you over there in the corner where Jim Hawk, hand up, this guy's hand up. It's like public and slash private markets, and then the AI quantum continuation discussion in that corner. So four breakouts. The way they work, first get a drink, uh, or not, I'm not going to drink Coke, whatever. Coke uh, buddy. By the way, we have one of our best companies created a stevia that tastes like sugar. Oh. Using a yeah, engineered uh, what's the synthetic vibe out of MIT. But give it a drink if you want. Go to a table and everyone introduces themselves. That's step one. That comes from our alumni networking heritage. And we used to say offers and asks, but now we're like, okay, we all want help, so don't talk about how you want to help. Talk about 
different than maybe what your what your efforts are, and then how we can help each other, and then what we want to do uh, programmatically in these four themes today. By the way, in Miami, Robinhood co-founder Peter Borish, they you know helped learn million our budget, very sophisticated thinking on on, on how they approach plans. He thinks they're not taking enough risks. They need to have venture philanthropy. Like they did the like there's too much money is going into the old schools. And then uh, hopefully as well it comes, uh, but we want to have a, a summit, like an all-day at the Vanderbilt Museum in New York. And it's important, the intergen, you've got to have all the generations there. Absolutely. You can't just have the next gens. Yeah. And I have this game show I really want to do. You know, that uh, you have, you have one, one room is the, it's like matriarchs and patriarchs, and then the next gen. And you have to sort of guess who said what. <laughs> <laughs> like and then we'll come back to the general audience and see how that, that, that works. Uh, sort of like the dating game you know, between like generations. Um, anyway, go take, take a break. Uh, you know, take 10 minutes from now, let's go to these. Come join our 361 firm community of investors and thought leaders. We have a lot of events created by the community as we collaborate on investments and philanthropic interests. Join us.